Episode of Moped Outlaws, and we're here with a real wanderer and traveler, Elise Saunders. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I know you taught me how to say hello in Greek just moments ago, and I've forgotten already. Yasas. Yasas. Yes. So you're in Greece right now with your husband. Yes, that's correct. And our two cats. Now, that was one thing that surprised me in the bio. Like, so just to get to, like, the minutiae of bio, you were making six figures in a corporate job. You decided this isn't the right life for you, you and your husband. Um, how long have you been married? Uh, almost 14 years. And did you say you sold your apartment or you're leasing? Uh, we were leasing an apartment and we let go of that lease. So we literally have no official home. We're traveling on the road 365 for the last two years. All right. So you're professional travelers and right now. Well, okay. So to go to my point, like I was surprised you guys decided to bring your cats on this adventure. Well, they are our babies. They we, we if they weren't coming, we weren't doing it. So, <laughs> and trust me, we really had to reconsider when we were coming to Greece because the paperwork for them was a little bit intense. The whole situation of exporting cats to a foreign country is a little intense. Airplanes, right? The the paperwork, getting them through, the whole thing. It was it was intense. Yeah, that's what I've heard is any animal, even going to Hawaii, like any animal off the mainland is a big ordeal. Yes. You guys were willing, they're family. So you're like, we're yeah. going for family. Yep. All right. So one of the things that I noticed um, that's di- different about the way you've chosen to occupy the digital nomad space is it appears as if you haven't brought with you a van or a large bus conversion that you're doing this through occupying b- buildings and, and having different homes as you go is Absolutely. when you were in the continental U S did you entertain the idea of being in an RV or anything like that as part of the process? Originally when we had come up with this idea years and years before we actually did it, we put a down payment down on a sprinter van And the day that we were supposed to go pick it up, my husband was like, it's too small. I can't do it. No way. And so we really just rolled everything back, really tried to figure out how it was that we wanted to move forward. Uh, That was when I went ahead and left my six-figure job, opened my own company, and was working from home. So we were just really retooling the whole idea. What do we want? How do we want to do it? And that was ultimately when everything just started to move forward. We started to get a lot of clarity finally. And we really decided for both of our happiness, we needed good, dependable Wi-Fi. We needed space. We needed amenities like washer, dryer. Um, You know, we wanted to be able to spread out. We wanted um, you know, not to really have to wrestle with our space as far as occupying the items that we were bringing and traveling with us, right? And so we just really landed on the Airbnb model and we've done it the entire time. Sometimes we've stayed in a couple of hotels, either overnight, North Dakota, South Dakota, we stayed in hotels because the Airbnbs were just terrible there uh, based on our particular needs. And so we stayed a couple weeks in hotels along the way, but the majority has been in Airbnbs and it's just really served us well. So what's the wildest Airbnb in the United States, like treehouse or unique shape to the home or? Um, 
Let's see. Wildest Airbnb. We did have one that was like a treehouse. We were up really, really high. The view was absolutely beautiful. In general, we've just had a couple that have just been our favorites because of the lighting, the vibe, the view, right? So it just, um, we, we've just been so, so lucky on some of the places that we've been able to stay. So where was two of your favorite locations based on the place you were in? Um, we really loved the Florida Keys, absolutely loved Maine. Uh, several places in California were really, really beautiful. Um, and then, of course, went through Glacier, Yellowstone, Tetons. I mean, ugh, you know, we've <laughs> it just, you know, last year especially was just an absolute dream seeing some of the most beautiful places in the world, in the United States, last year was just an absolute dream. You okay if I keep diving forward, Mark? There's a question. Oh, I got. Go. Yeah, right. we, right. we'll, we'll ping pong this thing until right. we beat China in the Olympics. All right, perfect. Because um, you said that in your bio, you've been doing three and a half years of healing which in mm -hmm. my experience is like a real dive into oneself. Yes. You described that you and Greg, like you're on your way to pick up this van and all of a sudden the plan just stops dead. Yeah. How did you deal with that? Like stopped it. Was it unnerving? Did it take you like, okay, I need to take a breath or were you able to just roll with that? Well, this was before the healing started. And so I can look back and say that with the person that I was and the desire that I had to travel was more of an escape from my life and, a, and giving me permission to do that. I was so miserable in the situation that I was in. And I desperately wanted out. I had been through illnesses, MS, arthritis, irritable bowel syndrome. I mean, my whole body was just collapsing in on itself with illness due to how I perceived my situation. I felt very trapped in my job. And um, it was something that I wanted out and my body was craving this nature bathing, right? Craving getting out in nature, healing, connecting. You know, every time I would leave the city and I would go hiking, I would be a totally different person for those few hours, right? Those three, five, ten miles that I was hiking, I felt alive. I felt refreshed. I felt so different than the person who went to work every day and was so unhappy. And so I was like, more of that, please. That's what I want more of. And so I connected that experience and said, I need to be out in nature, right? So let's get this sprinter van. Let me quit my job. I hadn't started the company, but that was the intention. Let me start this business. Let's go, right? Let's both reconnect to each other, connect to nature, find ourselves, find our center and our balance. And, you know, so part of it was the finding and part of it was the escaping. And so through the process of retooling, figuring out how we wanted to move forward, that was when I made this decision in the seeking, the searching um, you know, once I started my own business, I was in charge of my own schedule. I had the opportunity to take a break from the world and say, I need to lay it down. I need to feel these emotions. I need to heal myself. I need to whatever it was and have that ability. And so that was when I started the healing process through the searching of what is it that's going to work for me? Um, in moving my healing forward so that I could be the person that I wanted to be. What kinds of things did you do to reduce inflammation through your diet? And what kinds of things did you do involving outside people to kind of bring you through the transformation and the healing process? 
Sure. So when I was diagnosed with MS, um, nobody told me that it usually is not 100% remission, healing, no more issues. It was so awesome and such a benefit for me that everybody around me in the medical community just took for granted that I knew that. And so the first thing that I decided to do, because I immediately in the diagnosis felt like my whole life stopped. I couldn't write my name. I could barely walk. I could barely bathe. And so everything that I, at that point, saw for myself went poof. (laughs) And I'm like, I am, I'm not ready to die inside this body at, you know, the age that I was you know, seven-ish years ago when that was. And so I made the decision that it was not going to win, that I was going to recover and heal from this. So that was the first thing, right? The second thing was I educated myself on every piece of information about what causes inflammation. So first I started with the external things like removing plastic from anywhere in my home, even down to removing the shower curtain and going back to cloth, right? Taking away those, you know, little plugins that make, you know, the air smell fresh, the Febreze or whatever, you know, taking those out because uh, I was just breathing chemicals nonstop because, you know, I bought into all of the commercials. And so it was a complete overhaul from plastic to glass, uh, from regular fruits and vegetables to organic, uh, from regular meat to grass fed, like all of that, everything around me, I was trying to help support the body offload some of the toxins that I had built up. And then improving my foods, right? More fruits, more vegetables, um, less fried, less sugar, really cut down the sugary sweets and treats and things. So it was so much of it was just a complete and thorough overhaul of my diet. Um, and then of course, continue detoxing, making sure that I was getting the right vitamins and minerals, making sure that I was doing that nature bathing, you know, because so much of my mental hiking process is recycling out of my body into the earth and then pulling back up from the earth into my body. And then, of course, meditation as well. Spend some time at the Buddhist temple in Dallas, Texas, really understanding and learning how to meditate. You know, my favorite meditation is the one where you envision, you know, the the gold light coming into your body. And my belief is, you know, as silly as it may sound to some, but my belief is, is that that has an incredible impact on the inflammation in my body. So it was really very multifold. But then that final layer for me was really getting in touch with my emotions and learning to stop stuffing, learning to feel for the very first time my emotions so that I was no longer adding to the dis-ease in my body um, and creating physical space with my emotions, learning how to feel, heal, and release um, instead of storing that emotion in my body, which also then creates additional inflammation and the cycle just continues, right? How did Greg participate in that process? And what would you acknowledge in him as you went through these changes and, and this newfound emotional intelligence? The gift that Greg gives me throughout our marriage and every single day, and I tell him this all the time, is that he always supports whatever it is that I feel that I need to do. So when I come home and I say, I'm going to join the Buddhist temple, you know, for six months, a year, however long it was. Okay, great. Here, let's get you the books. Let's get you, you know, classes. Let's send you to meditation class, you know, like whatever it is. 
when you know I, I was trying to do food sensitivities, okay, great. Let's get you food sensitivity tests. See if you're allergic to anything. Let's get you some blood tests. You you want to go see a, a energy healer? Okay, great. That might sound a little crazy, but whatever works for you, babe. And so, honestly, that's the biggest gift that he continues to give me is just supporting me. And what is he doing as far as how he handling his business during this nomadic lifestyle that you've chosen? What has changed for him? So he retired. So part of the conversation that we had when we originally got on the road was when I went to him and said, hey, I have this crazy idea. I envision us traveling, getting out on the road, letting go of our lease, selling or gifting most of our stuff and uh, just traveling until we don't want to anymore. And, you know, of course, he was like, well, that sounds really great for when I retire. And I'm like, how about you just retire now? How about that's now today? Let's not wait, you know, for five more years. And so um, that's that's finally what he agreed to do. And so he's really enjoying being a retired person. And uh, the way that he supports the family is, you know, I do the computer work with my businesses and Greg really supports the family and taking care of more of the, the domestic needs of our family and, and taking care of our cats too. Do you find that you and Greg are, um, a part of the community that you're in, in Greece? We certainly try to, um, you know, we, wherever we go, anytime we've ever been to a foreign country, we do try to learn some of the language just out of respect to be able to show our respect to local people. And Greg's gift is he's never met a stranger. He will talk with anyone um, and so we just have had the incredible pleasure here in Greece or throughout our travels over the last two years of meeting some incredible people, having the connection of people telling us, oh, you've got to go here. You've got to do this thing. You've got to go to this restaurant, you know. And so it, it's just been such a blessing to have someone that is so communicative and someone who's, who loves connecting with other people. So that's that's really Greg's gift. So in Greece right now, are you in a city or are you in a country town? Yeah, so we're in a village on an island. We're on the island of Tinos right now. And so uh, it's imagine a landing in some place that looks like old time Ireland and green rolling hills that dump into the ocean with ancient stone walls that cover every inch of this island. Wow. All right, so that's what I'm kind of wondering. Are the people, how, how many people live where you are? Um, so our village is very tiny. I think that we've only really seen probably less than 10 people for the several weeks that we've lived here. So I bet that there's probably only 30 people in this village. Oh, wow. Yeah. One of the things I loved about your website is the map that says, follow, check out where we're going. And as I got deeper and deeper into that website, I've, I found a lot of value there. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting is the way that you've leveraged product affiliations with all of the different things that you've needed and the tools you've needed and how you recommend that to others. One in particular struck me as really cool, which is this, um, satellite email slash text thing. And I'm wondering yes. how often has that saved your bacon in this process, that particular. So device? many times. And if nothing else, um, it's, it's called a Zolio and it, you're right. It is a satellite device. It's really tall. It's or, or small rather. It's just a, a little tiny uh, rectangle or, or square type device that could fit in your hand. Very, very light. And it allows us to communicate anywhere in the world with anyone on our contacts list uh, via text. And then also it has an SOS button. We can communicate with emergency services anywhere in the world, even in Antarctica, if we needed it. And so, you know, we travel on the road, driving place to place, often no cell phone reception, 
um, you know, going on hiking, Greg doing his biking. We love remote places. And so even if it isn't that we've had an emergency that we've needed help, just knowing that we can freely move through the world and not even have to think about or plan for or be concerned about if anything happens, what do I do, right? Like we have this device, so great, check it off, right? Now we just get to go and drive and go and do and be and have fun without ever worrying about, you know, if something happens, what is the plan? It's, it's great. It's just peace of mind. Yeah. I have two more questions. One is about the affiliate piece around your shop and what percentage of your expenses are you able to cover with that through your website? And then I'll ask the second question after that. Okay. Um, so we have a couple of different ways that we interact with affiliates. So we have the, uh, Amazon shop on our website, which hosts a lot of the products that we've specifically used uh, throughout our travels. And it offers a lot of different ways uh, that people can digital nomad, right? Any types of tools that they might need throughout their digital nomad travels. The other way is our ebook, where we've partnered strategically with affiliates that um, occupy the digital nomad space because my goal in the ebook is to show people, obviously it's called how to become a digital nomad is to show people there are a million digital nomads. There's a million different ways to digital nomad. And so we've partnered with some wonderful, wonderful companies and businesses and people to connect uh, people who want to become digital nomads with ways that they can live and flourish in their travel and workspace. As far as what percent, Amazon, for example, if you've ever used Amazon as an affiliate, you get, I swear to God, like one penny <laughs> for every purchase. It's like so small. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just, it, it doesn't offer a lot. Okay. Second question. The name of your website, Tales of an untamed soul.com from tales from, from, from an, an untamed soul.com. Yes, Sorry. You are close. Um, I want to know how important it is to you as a human being and as a woman to feel untamed and what you would say to our listeners about how so much of the conditioning of corporate America and our society reduces the breadth and expression of women and what untamed means to you? Um, when I was going through the healing process, I'm not even sure that untamed was in my vernacular uh, before. And when I was going through this healing process, the main thing that I kept coming back to was I wanted to know what it felt like to fully live. And I had realized that I had really just been death walking through my entire life. I had played everything so safe. I was the good girl to the conditioning that you're referencing, right? Um, quiet and go along to get along. Better to sacrifice yourself than make someone else uncomfortable. It was so important to me through the process of healing that I not only understood, felt what it was like to fully live, but the goal became, I wanted to stop living in a cage that either I myself or family members, the world around me had put me into this cage. And it was so important to break free to continue to push myself to get out of that cage, to break free of the conditioning um, and to be this wild, untamed woman um, that I possibly could to know what it was like to live full tilt, to know what it was like to be on fire in my own life, in my body, in my soul and I no longer 
wanted to live comfortably. I wanted to live uncomfortably so that I could continuously push myself, put myself in constant change, thus the traveling, so that I could be the best version of myself in this wild, untamed woman that I desired to be. And coming from so many years in the corporate world, um, that has been at times hard to let go of that conditioning or seeing sometimes the way that the world sees me and learning to no longer care about what everybody else thinks, right? To tell everybody to go F themselves. This is how I'm living my life. This is who I am. This is my choice, my decisions. I live with the uh, ability to make my decisions and live with the consequences plus or minus of those decisions. And so it is incredibly important to me to be that light to say, I'm doing it. You can do it too, right? Because we ever more so now need people to stand up to be who they are, to be their best self, to bring their puzzle piece into the world. Because it's truly my belief that you give something and you give something and I have things, right? And we are when we are all being the thing that we're here meant to be and do, and we bring that together, that's when the world really starts to change. And so it's so important to me to be that for myself in hopes that it emboldens and gives courage to other people to be that for themselves in their own life. Is your mother still alive? She is. How's your relationship with her right now? We haven't spoken in many years. Do you feel like that might be available in the future? I don't know. Um, I, I know that I regularly ask myself how I feel about that decision of mine to separate uh, from that relationship. And at the moment, uh, I still feel really good about that decision. And I often like to remind people that part of our conditioning is, well, it's your mother. You can't do that. You can't not speak to your parent. I hear, what happens if they die? What happens if this? You're going to feel guilty. You're going to, right? So I do check in with myself, as I said, but I believe that it is ever more important that we have the ability to choose ourselves in any situation, our safety, our sanity, what is best for us. And right now, I just really believe that um, letting go of those connections that don't serve me is in my highest good. Because at the end of the day, you know, if you want to even get next level about it, I believe that I am here to break generational uh, trauma and it is more important to me to break the cycle of trauma than to have a relationship with my mother in this life when I know that eternally all of our energies, everyone, we're all connected, we're all one, and whatever the next dimension is, mom and I are going to be good. You know, it's just in this life, we are on different paths. Um, and this is where my path is taking me and my focus is my own highest good. Do you have any siblings? Uh, so I have a biological sister uh, who was adopted at birth. I knew about her when I was about seven years old. My mom told me that she had uh, given her for adoption. And when I was about 20, I actually was able to find her. 
and we have met. Um, It was difficult because I had waited so much of my life to have a, a full sister. And when I found her, she was adopted into a family with like six other sisters And so I was just another sister, (laughs) right? Right? I I wasn't anything tremendously special. And I can't imagine what it must have been like for her um, because they adopted her, but then went on to have me and kept me. And so I think that there was just something there that ultimately could not be reconciled for her. Um, And I I certainly can completely understand, you know, I just I can't even imagine what that must have felt like to know you're adopted. And then, great, I have a sister. Oh, by the way, it's a full blood sister, mom and dad. And, you know, so if it were me at that point, I probably would have questioned, like, why why did you give me away? You know what I'm saying? Like, I just I can't imagine how difficult that must have been for her. Yeah. So do you have in your life besides Greg people you consider family? Absolutely. Um, I have been very, very blessed to have two girls in my life who um, are, are my daughters. And, you know, I, I remember when one came into our life, our son brought her home and said, you know, she's sleeping on park benches and showering at the school and she doesn't have any place to go. And the very first time that I met her, I immediately knew that she was my daughter, you know, either in a previous life or I'm not really sure what that connection was, but I knew it and she knew it immediately. Um, And it has just been an absolutely beautiful relationship for both of us. And then, uh, you know, we, we brought her into our home at 17 and we kept thinking any moment somebody's going to knock on the door and ask where this girl is. And nobody ever did. You know, nobody, nobody ever came to the door. And we were very excited when she turned 18 um, that we didn't have to worry about anybody knocking at the door. And, you know, but it's it's just been wonderful to provide stability and support and love and resources to her uh, throughout her growing up. And a couple years later, you know, another young lady shows up into our life and, you know, very difficult situation uh, in the past with the parents and, you know, just really needing that stability and, you know, I just am, am so, so blessed to have friends who are more family than family, you know, by blood, uh, children who I absolutely feel are, are my children that just didn't come out of my body. Um, and it's it's just beautiful community that we've been able to build. How did you and Greg meet? And I ask because... What you just described with these two young ladies who became your daughters, and you're saying we, I'm assuming Greg is the other we, right? We, yes. Right. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's amazing, that partnership, to have created a home where, you know, anyway, that's amazing. So how did you and Greg meet? <laughs> Well, that's a really interesting story. So um, I was uh, married uh, once before uh, for about nine years to my first husband. Greg was my first husband's boss and was also our son's godfather. And so Greg has been in my life since I was about 19 years old. And Greg was actually my boss at one time as well. And so, you know, our our families, right? Greg was married, uh, you know, to a wonderful woman before. And I was married. You know, we would get together, do couple things. Uh, Greg actually lived with us, my first husband and I, uh, twice. 
And, you know, it was just really common for my first husband and I to have conversations about what a better match Greg was for me than him. Because it was obvious even, like, it was obvious to everybody, right? And so Greg didn't have anything to do with us getting a divorce. It just, you know, we're we're great friends uh, now, still today, my ex-husband and I. Um, and so we got a divorce and he sat me down and he's like, you really ought to think about, you know, getting together with Greg. Like, seriously, you guys are, are such a, a better fit for each other. So we happened to be in the same city at the same time where we were the only people that we knew in the city, uh, for our new jobs. And, um, it just absolutely made sense, right? I was getting ready to have a, a teenager though. And so we dated for a good long time. I was like, okay, you don't have any kids of your own. I think that we should live together, you know, for a good year because being godfather and being father, very different things. You know, he's a teenager. Life is not easy. And so you really need to understand what you're signing up for. And so, you know, at the end of the year, I lovingly like to tease him. You know, I got tired of, of waiting for him to ask me to marry him. So one morning at the breakfast table, I got out the calendar, slid it in front of him and said, pick a date, pick a date or, you know, we ain't doing this anymore. And so he's like, OK, how about in a couple of weeks? And I was like, oh, wow, that's super. <laughs> <laughs> he is a good match for you. <laughs> he is a good match. And so, uh, yeah, so that that was it. But. You know, I also have to say that one of the things that was really interesting was how important it was to Greg and I both that my ex-husband really still have a place in our life in order to raise our child as a threesome, right, together, the three of us, uh, in a way that was going to support our son. And so... You know, I would go on vacation with my ex-husband and my son and leave Greg at home because we felt that that was the best thing for the kid, you know, was to not feel so split all the time. And, you know, we spent holidays together and, you know, my ex-husband actually stood up in our wedding when Greg and I got married and, um, you know, my ex-husband's. Uh, current wife is my best friend. I was in their wedding when they got married. I am godmother to their child that they have together. And so we just have this beautiful community of love and respect for each other, an immense amount of trust. You know, Greg never worries about the time that I'm spending with my ex-husband his wife never worries about the time that, you know, we're spending together. Like there's just none of that. And it is so beautiful when we just really focus on putting the kid first. And we just have so much love and respect for each other along the way that we've really been able to cultivate and find over the years. Man. We're recording this at a time when the world tends to celebrate a deep spiritual event, whether you're <laughs> Jewish or whether you're Christian. There's also Ramadan is going on. And I'm curious with the description you just gave of the way that your lifestyle evolved and the fact that you spent a year as a Buddhist devotee. I'll just call it that if that's a fair assessment. That would be appropriate. Yeah. What is it about the way you were raised spiritually that has you landing in such a clear and open ability to navigate life as a nomad and as a flexible, you know, um, resourceful, resilient person? Nothing. (laughs) Absolutely nothing. It was 100% as a result of the healing work that I had done and have done continue to do over the past few years. It's all like, you know, I, when I talk about working with my, I call her, I never know what to call her, you know, spiritual healer, uh, you know, spiritual advisor, uh, Reiki master, you know, I don't know, like she's part shaman to me. It's just, I never know what to call Kathy anyway. 
I, I am very, very clear with people to say if it had not been for the work, the deep, deep work that I have done with her, I would not be here. I would not be this person. I would not be successful in my own business. I would not be traveling. I would not be a nomad. Greg and I would probably be divorced. Um, you know, like there's absolutely nothing about my life prior to that would be recognizable to the person, you know, that I am now, like nothing, everything, everything in my life was set up for me to just continue to be death walking through the rest of my life. So I want to ask a question and you're free not to answer it if it feels uncomfortable. But one of the things that sometimes comes up in the conversations we have is the role that psychedelics can play in such a deep transformation. And I'm wondering if anything in your life like psychedelics other than Kathy was part of the way that you move through this portal or not and what you feel about those kinds of things. It's a great question. I believe that if you're curious about something that, you know, you should look into that and make a decision if it's right for you. It's definitely something that I have looked at at multiple times and considered, talked with Kathy about. Um, I wouldn't trust anyone other than her to guide me through that process if I did decide. Um, to date, I have not. Um, because... I feel, at least right now, um, that it is very important for me to do the work on myself through the journey to get to the point that that may elevate me, right? Um, And so that's just where I am right now. But I am open to anything and everything, and I believe, you know, that there are receptors in the brain that you know, are open to those that can elevate insight, uh, provide transformation. And I, I certainly, you know, can see myself doing that at some point. Seems like you're, we're energetically able to tap into the natural forces of the body without plant medicine, without those sorts of things. Did you have epiphanies? Did you have awakenings as part of your healing journey? So many. Um, And in fact, you know, I even had this really weird situation where um, like the the, I think it's Star Wars movie at the very beginning. They they have the credits that roll and kind Mm -hmm. of that yellow. And it's like a bunch of words. Right. And you just see it scrolling. Like I actually was sitting meditating one day and it was like this download of information that was like, right. And like, it was symbols and pictures and words. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening right now. And it was not something that had ever happened before. Um, And so, you know, I have had epiphanies about, connections of trauma healing. You know, I have had memories of past lives. Uh, One of the the big transformations for me through traveling has been to get over my fear of bridges, to get over my fear of heights and drowning. Because before we got on this journey, I had the memory recollection in a past life of having drowned in my vehicle. I um, fully 100% experienced myself in that body, in the car, with it filling all the way up, you know, the water's coming up all the way until my very last breath. And I experienced every thought, every emotion, um, and was able to determine that that was a unresolved death. Right. And so I had carried all of this fear into this life, uh, not never being able to understand why. Why was I so afraid? And so really saying, no, I'm not going to let this fear rule my life anymore. I am going to hit this head on. And the universe was just so amazing because I started out on our very first journey to Tennessee with like these little bridges, 
right? And as we progressed through our travels, the bridges got bigger and taller and more advanced (laughs) all the way until the Florida Keys, when all it is is bridges. Every time I went out of my house, I had to drive on a bridge, right? There's seven mile bridge, literally it's seven miles long. And so it was just this beautiful support that the universe gave me just perfectly throughout our travels to help me fulfill that desire to not let this fear grip me and have this power over me anymore. And so it's something I'm still working through, but I have gone from being afraid of being on a ladder to putting on the the climbing gear and climbing a mountain with my bare hands to driving over the bridges in the Florida Keys. Like, that is just not something I could have done two years ago, right? And so, so many epiphanies, transformations. Um, I mean, it, it's just, you know, innumerable, the amount that this intense healing has given me. It is intense. Like, you've... You said your healing started three and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Like what you've been sharing is a lifetime in three and a half years. Well, I also have to say, though, I mean, it was intense. Like I was doing five hours at a time each week for three and a half years. Right. So it, it was something. Yes, it was something that I was very, very committed to. And then, you know, continuing to work on myself throughout the week, um, even when I wasn't directly with her. And so like this was th- this was much more intense than just, you know, your average one hour session at the shrink down the road. Like this was just gutting myself, walking through flames constantly to identify that all the traumas that were I was much happier when they were in the closet so I thought right but I'm going to take everything out we gutted that closet we took it all out we looked at it you know we we felt it we talked about it we healed inner children that were just screaming and crying and traumatized You know, I sat with those inner children. I rocked them. I held them. I loved them. And, um, you know, just all the things that I was absolutely terrified for another human being to know about myself, to know something I said, something I did, uh, a trauma that I had witnessed or something that had happened to me, all of those things that, you know, were kept in the secrets box, um, you know, let... Let's pull that lid off. Let's look at what all those things are. As difficult as it was, and oh my God, was it difficult. Um, You know, walking through that fire, once I did it the first time, and I went, oh my gosh, look at how much better I feel. It's like, I want to do that again, and again, and again. And that feeling of freedom that it gave me freedom away from my fears, my anxieties, my self-judgment, uh, shame, guilt, uh, moving myself into a space of learning to love myself, learning to forgive myself, and learning to transform myself into something even greater as a result just made me want to keep going, you know? I have two quick questions. Maybe they're quick. The questions are quick. Um, <laughs> how did Greg stay? Or was there ever a point as you're going through your fire where things are erupting? You're, and there's an element of Greg is now standing in your fire because there's partnership there. <laughs> did that occur? Um. Not in like an anger type situation, right? I was um, not volcanic in that way because I still am learning to have a relationship now with anger because anger was so indoctrinated into me growing up in a very violent home 
that viol- uh, anger led to violence. Violence was scary. Therefore, anger is scary. Anger is uncontrolled and um, detrimental, yeah. right? And so as I'm still learning to have a relationship with anger, to feel angry, to say I am angry, uh, I don't and have not erupted. And so the way that the relationship was with Greg going through some of this healing was his immense patience and compassion. But he also continues to say that he saw that I was getting better. I was being a better partner for him. And that certainly helped. If it was all him giving love and patience, it wouldn't have worked. Um, You know, but I continued to let go of control. I continued to learn to go with the flow. I continued to learn patience. I was more compassionate. I was more understanding with him, with myself, with everyone that I was meeting, right, in, in my life. And so he saw that this turmoil at times once I got to the other side, there was a better version of me. And he continued to like that version more and more and more. And so he really rode these waves with me, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, just like an absolute champ. And I think that in any relationship, you're you're going to have waves as partners. You know, Greg is in a wave right now. And, you know, I'm riding that out with him. And you do that for each other. You hold space for the other person to go through what they're going through. He didn't step in to save me because he couldn't. I can't step in to save him, but I can hold space for him. I can allow him to feel how he feels, to express that emotion when he needs to express it, to be here in whatever way he needs And, you know, that's what he did for me. He held that space and and let me do my thing. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Um, You have three children. You consider your children, right? Yes. So how is your mother relationship with your three children right now? You as a mother. Um, You know, I am so, so blessed to have these very unique relationships with each individual. Being a woman who physically gave birth to one child, understanding how different relationships with each child can be has really been very cool to me. And, you know, to see how they teach me Right. I think that as adults, if we listened, if we watched children more, then it would help us to be more free. And I certainly have tried to take that step back and just be here as a support when they need me and not over mother. Right. Because they're all adults. And so, um, you know, what what. What do you need from me? Right. You communicate that to me. Other than that, you're adults. You do your thing. I'm here to support you in whatever way I can. But I love watching each one of them exercise their own freedom and individuality and self-expression. It has helped me to look at myself and see my hangups where I'm getting hung up in the flow of being who I am because it's so intensely indoctrinated to be the good girl, right? Uh, to go along, to get along, as I mentioned earlier, and to watch them as young people not give a crap about what anybody else thinks. This is me, myself, I, this is my self-expression. It has really inspired me. And so I think that it's a beautiful relationship of give and take. With the two daughters, is your ex-husband and his wife a part of their life as well? Because it sounds like your son is very ingrained with all four yes. of you. Yes. Um, I wouldn't say that they're necessarily in, in super involved, but 
to the extent that there's a lot of shared information. Um, you know, and so one daughter might actually, you know, be on the phone while, you know, I'm with or talking to, and it's like, oh, hey, right. And then there's a little catch up. And, um, you know, if I go out with one daughter, it's like, oh, how was your time? How is she? How's the, the baby? How's the this, you know? And so there's really just still that connection that we all still share, even though they're not really involved, there's still a lot of love and a lot of support. Yeah, that's awesome. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. As we get close to wrapping this up, I just want to acknowledge the way that you are a beacon for human growth And your devotion to the possibility of unfolding your full untamed self. Mm -hmm. I want to express Greg and our gratitude for you uh, showing up the way you've showed up today. Um, Because we we are part of the Moped Outlaws quest is to really uncover this nomadic, joyful, uh, you know, uh, resilient, transformative part of of humanity and to connect to it through humor and grace and you you've shown up as the embodiment of that and so for all the work and to kathy your your reiki provider much gratitude from both of us what would you say to people who are still boxed in by their fear or feeling um trepidatious about taking the major step forward who are on the precipice who feel themselves drawn to the nomadic lifestyle or the transformative lifestyle, what would you say to them from this vantage point? Embrace the perspective that anything is possible. One of the biggest gifts that Kathy gave to Greg and I was the idea of playing in a playscape where there were no limitations. So as we were trying to figure out what is it that we want to do Right. We, we didn't really know, like maybe it wasn't the nomadic life, but maybe it was something else. Right. And so we just took the slate and we wiped it clean. And she was like, go to your your play space. Don't have any boundaries, any limits. Don't focus on the technical aspect, money. All I want you to do is dream. All I want you to do is fantasize. Picture yourself there. Feel it in your body. Feel the joy. Feel the sand underneath your toes. Right. And so we did that. We did that for so long. And, you know, we we didn't say, oh, we can't afford that villa that, you know, we were dreaming about, or, you know, let's go to Greece and look at the water today. And we're going to walk on the beach. And, you know, what we didn't realize was that we were manifesting. And so, you know, as we started to have these amazing journeys together, we really realized what our heart's desire was and the plan the more technical plan of actually getting on the road and everything that we've created was birthed from those dreams, from that manifestation. And so when we took everything off the table, voila, it appeared. It appeared clear as day what we were meant to be doing, what we wanted to do. And then all we had to do was back into that. Well, what does that look like? We're going to start here and we're going to get here, right? And so what are the steps in between? And we just started working ever so slowly on putting that plan together. Um, But if we had believed from the very beginning, oh, that's not possible. Oh, we can't afford that. Oh, we can't make that work. Oh, I can't be without a home. You know, all of the excuses If we didn't believe from the very beginning that anything was possible, we would not be here. And clearly, it is possible. I am spending a year in Greece. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) right? This was not possible to the child me, to the teenage me, to the young woman me, to the me of 10 years ago. She does not know who this girl is, right? But 
anything is possible. And so just believe that and start putting the plan together. It will happen. Are you up for an edgy prompt? Oh, I'd love it. It is possible that you could have a healed relationship with your mom while you're both alive in this lifetime. Oh, I absolutely believe that. But I also believe that it's not necessary for me, right? The, The learning, the attachment, we get so attached to things. We get so attached to people. We get so attached to our beliefs, even if they don't serve us. We get so attached to our habits, our rituals, right? All of these things. And so part of what I'm really learning is to let go of the attachment, to let go of the attachment to the apartment, to let go of the attachment to where we were living. You know, even recently coming to Greece, I had to let go of the attachment to the car. The only big thing that we owned, that was a little tough letting go of the attachment of the stuff that was in the car because we had to go down to a couple suitcases, Um, you know, and and so uh, letting go of the attachment to the plan that I thought that we were going to have here in Greece. We had to redo our entire itinerary recently. Um, And so letting go of my attachment to, you know, but this is what we planned. This is the way it was supposed to look. And, um, you know, learning to go with the flow, being open to the opportunities that the universe is bringing into my life. If that's the way that the path goes, great. But if it doesn't, then that's okay because I'm not attached to any person, any plan, anything, right? I'm just learning to go with the flow and focus on being my best self. My relationship with myself is first and foremost priority. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. But I totally agree with you. It's absolutely possible. Um, I can choose it at any time. I truly believe that. And I do believe in relationships do include others. So if there's someone who is adamant that they're not going to choose it, then that's that. Right. Yeah. Wow. I got a big old grin right now. <laughs> it's been a pleasure hanging with you. It's, uh, oh, I'm so glad. Thank you. You're welcome. We could definitely have a longer conversation. I have a ton of more questions, but I also know that um, it's getting late in Greece. <laughs> and I, I'm going to ask this. Do you feel like there's part of you that's becoming a transformation junkie? Um, that has a more pop culture feel in my body when I think of the word junkie that tends to be like oh I'm addicted to Prada (laughs) kind of feel Um, which I'm sure is is not how you mean it Um, you know I'm trying to pick my words very carefully because I'm realizing how powerful what I say is because my words create my future, my reality, etc. And so um, I just, I wouldn't put a label on it. Um, I would just say that I am committed. I am deeply committed to being my best self for myself, the generational trauma that I know that I'm here to help stop and heal for my kids, for my partner, and for the other people that I encounter that I might impact their life. And I just want to be unstoppable. I want to be that wild, untamed woman that we talked about. Um, I want to connect with my own soul on the deepest level. I want to know myself as well as anyone can know themselves in this lifetime. And at the end of it, I just want to look back and say, I left it all there. 
right? I left it all. I had, I had nothing else to give. Uh, I did the work that I came here to do. And, um, I just know that I want more. I want more time. I want more joy. I want more happiness. I want more experiences. I want more opportunities. I want more knowledge and deep knowing about myself, about my experiences, my life, my past, my future. Um, that's the only way that I know how to answer that question. Yeah, the question is informed by this idea of non-striving. And that there comes a time where we reach a place of equilibrium or equanimity, as the Buddhists call it. Mm-hmm. And it feels to me like this inspiring gave me tingles on the back of my neck conversation has reached a place of equanimity Mm -hmm. of peace. Mm -hmm. And so I wish for you and for all who hear this conversation and for Greg, my partner, Greg, your partner, that sense of equanimity and that sense of being in right place, right time, right now, Mm -hmm. it's all love and gratitude. Recording stopped.